The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth's monthly coaching message for our clients and for our friends and community. This is Frank Congelos, your host, and our guest today is Alex Ash, Director of Coaching with Matson Money. Alex, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on. Beautiful to be here. Thank you, Frank. So, Alex, you have an interesting title, you know, Director of Coaching, which, you know, we talk to our clients about coaching and advising, you know, how that makes a difference in someone's world. And I know that you work with advisor coaches throughout the country as it relates to money, money management, things of that nature. Maybe you could just take a quick minute and explain to people what you do with Matson Money about coaching advisors, and then we'll get a little bit into our program. Well, thank you, Frank, and I will take the minute because it certainly is a longer conversation than that to understand the journey towards maths and money, but I started with very large wirehouses, Wall Street firms. If I mention the names, the listeners would know exactly who I'm talking about. And after about four years of representing active management, the Wall Street mentality, I quickly found out that the returns I was receiving, the returns, the performance that my investors were receiving, certainly did not match the illustrations I was showing. And I started to disbelieve what I was representing, and that was a major problem for me. Now, it's very fortunate that I found maps and money in my mid-20s and quickly learned that investing is a science. But investing also goes beyond portfolios. Investing is about having confidence and conviction, really peace of mind about your money. So now I travel around the country. I work very closely with advisors and investment professionals in coaching on the underlying science of investing, but also allowing them to have breakthroughs in behavior with those investors, their investors, so their clients can have a very high level of peace of mind about their money. It's a great introduction when you say that. And when I you know, am listening, you know, one of the things that I've learned in working you know, with your organization is the greatest risk perhaps to, to an individual's portfolio is oftentimes themselves. You know, and the fact that we are buying and selling based upon our emotions, which emotions and investing typically don't go together. That, that is correct. And when you really look at the research, you find out that investors actually do the wrong thing at the right time. If you look at the exflows of cash in a 2008, money is pouring out of markets into fixed income. And instead of buying low and selling high like we've been taught, most investors, most investors actually buy high and then sell out in panic when the market drops. So our instincts and our emotions usually drive us to do the wrong thing at exactly the right time. Which is thus the reason to work with a coach-slash-advisor so that you can stay educated and, and informed and maintain your confidence regardless of what's happening. Very well said. But one of the things which is interesting, which is really what our topic is going to be about today, which is, you know, in a portfolio, a lot of people will look and they'll say, well, 
I bought an index fund, so I have the S&P 500. And last year, the S&P 500 did phenomenal. And what they'll do is they'll either select an asset class or one asset class thinking that they're well diversified, or the other thing that they'll do is they'll look at what did well last year, hoping that history will repeat itself. And actually, when you go through a little bit of the science of investing and how investment works and true diversification, true diversification is a much broader topic, and there's a lot more there. So perhaps, Alex, you can address for our listeners, you know, what true diversification means and maybe even expand a little bit that the markets are more than the S&P 500, which I think that everybody understands, but how much bigger is it at this point? Sure, because, you know, it's interesting. As we, as we go through life, we pick up things along that journey. And when it comes to investing, everyone's heard, be diversified. The secret is diversification. But what does that really mean? Because owning a lot of stuff, owning a lot of holdings doesn't necessarily mean you're diversified. Because what if all of your holdings are tech-related? What if all your holdings are S&P-type companies, U.S. large growth? True diversification when it comes to investing can be best set by owning over 14,000 companies, in 45 different countries, representing over 19 asset categories. So if you want to be a true investor, you need to make sure that the globe is represented in your portfolio. Hey, I'm a patriot. I'm very proud to be an American. We own American companies in our portfolios, but we also make sure that we are properly globally diversified and that includes looking outside of the U.S. Very good. So, Alex, maybe um, for our listeners, you can take a little bit of time and explain the concept of correlated and non-correlated, because you did touch on it just slightly, but perhaps maybe go a little bit into what's the benefit of um, you know, buying assets that don't move in the same direction as, let's say, the S&P 500, and what does that actually mean? You know, I'm glad you bring up correlation, Frank, because we always want to talk about diversification, but it's correlation that is the underlying foundation or the cornerstone of diversification. Here's a great story or a brief narrative that I use with advisors so, you know, they can fully understand what correlation really is. I was very fortunate. I grew up in beautiful South Florida and just a few hours north of where I grew up was Walt Disney World. Great business, experience-based model. Kids love Disney. It's a part of all of our, um, you know, upbringing. But Disney understands correlation because Disney is in Orlando. Orlando is a swamp. It's very humid. And the ocean breeze blows all the storm clouds inland during the summer. So what I'm getting at is every single day during the summer, and when I say every single day, I mean almost every day, it rains for about two or three hours in the afternoon. So as families are walking down the Magic Kingdom on Main Street and they pass merchandise huts, those merchandise huts are selling two key items. I know they sell more, but there's two key items. They sell sunscreen because when the sun's out, it is hot, and sunscreen is flying off the shelves. When it's raining, they're selling Mickey Mouse ponchos. 
What I'm getting at here, Frank, is no matter what the climate, Disney is always selling something, whether it's sunscreen or ponchos, and you want to take that same concept to your portfolio. You want to own small companies. Why? They tend to act differently than large companies. You want to own value companies and growth companies. Why? Because they tend to move at different times. And this is so important because I mentioned in my opening that investing is a science. And what you find is that over 93% of the variability of returns in a portfolio comes from your underlying asset allocation. And the way that you get an efficient asset allocation is by understanding the correlation concept. So great question, Frank. You know, what's interesting is I'm listening to you go through the Disney World example, and I've been there many times walking around with ponchos and sunscreen in the same day. <laughs> so I understand. You're well protected. There you go. So here's what's funny, though, is, you know, if you had a particular summer where it was sunny a lot, Disney didn't make munch on those ponchos that were sitting there. But you can't pretend that the rain's not going to come sooner or later because it will change and it goes in cycles. And I think as it relates to investing, that example you gave is great and all investors should understand. We're going to have sunny days and rainy days. You need to be invested in both, not just saying, yeah, but there's more sunny than rainy because it doesn't work that way. The next question that I would frame to you is, so with that in mind, what is the typical duration that someone should look at their portfolio and their port performance? In other words, some people you know, I've seen look and they go, how do I do over the last 12 months? As if their whole plan is based upon 12 months. And we know that you know we think investing in terms of it's a lifetime of investing. How long should people be looking at their portfolios? What should they be looking at from a time standpoint so that they're actually looking at how they're doing, what's the period of time to be fair to themselves when they're owning equities and they own different things in their portfolios to go through a full market cycle and perhaps explain to the, our listeners, how do you see a full market cycle? Well, let me give a shout out to my mentor, Mark Matson. And yes, his name is on the side of the building, Matson Money. He gives a great line. As an investor, you never want to focus on the next 20 minutes. You want to focus on the next 20 years. Equities are more than a 10-year hold. In most cases, a 20-year hold. Now, so often, Frank, and I'm sure you hear this, and you can probably speak on this topic as well as I can, investors say, I don't have 20 years. I don't have 10 years. Well, yes, you do. And even if you're 105 years old, with the advancements in technology and medicine, I might give you 115 years old. But even investors who are 65 and 70 years old, there's no reason you can't live to 85, 95. And it's the equity exposure that's going to allow you to outpace inflation, give you protection against the personal power of your money. Now, Frank, what I'm not saying is that all investors need to be aggressive investors and own 100% equity portfolios. Every investor is at a different part of their life. And based on where they are, their risk factor, their income, and a myriad of other variables, they're going to engineer short-term fixed income to help mitigate that risk. But equities are a long-term game, and you certainly 
do not want to make your investing decisions off a six to 12 month forecast. Great point. And, you know, it's interesting because we'll see, you know, clients from time to time and they'll say, well, you know, I'm 55. I plan on retiring at 65. And so they're thinking their time frame is really 10 years. And, you know, I'll remind them, I'll go, wait a minute, investing t- should take you through retirement, not to retirement. So you shouldn't necessarily look at your portfolio as if it has to mature at 65 or in that shorter time frame. You've got to look at what's the real reality, which is you may spend 15 or 20 years or 30 years in retirement, and you have to look bigger picture as it relates to that. That's such a great statement because your retirement years are called your golden years for a reason. And so many times investors want to short themselves and really live in a scarcity mentality and believe that equities don't need to be a part of that period, but it's the equity exposure that's going to allow you to not only grow principal, but also grow income as well. Because we both know, Frank, a million dollars 20 years ago was worth much more than a million dollars today. So having that equity exposure is what can really slay the dragon of inflation, which is a massive risk that a lot of investors overlook. Great point. But, you know, one of the things, you know, to keep in mind and, you know, that we always talk about is everybody's different and their tolerance to the volatility is different. And so it's all according to what someone's risk tolerance is. And maybe, you know, we'll close up by you just taking a minute on the risk tolerance and the significance of living with whatever your portfolio is in the up and down markets so that you're not hurting yourself. Sure, and I always want to be careful when I'm talking about equities or fixed income or percentages. I never want investors listening and looking for that one portfolio that's right for everybody because that doesn't exist. Everyone's different. Hey, if I grew up in the Great Depression or if I grew up versus if I grew up in the tech boom, I'm going to have a different mentality about money. So no two people, no two investors are the same. So one of the most powerful exercises that you can walk through as an investor, and this is something that Frank represents, is understand what you, what your personal risk tolerance is. Hey, if, I, if I'm an investor and I lost more than 10% of my money, could I sleep at night? Could I lose 20% of my money? Could I lose 30% of my money? What's your personal risk tolerance? And I know, Frank, that's one of the exercises that you walk your clients through is having them fully understand the scientific number that represents their risk tolerance. Because in my opening, I mentioned that investing is a science. You have Dr. Harry Markowitz, Eugene Fama, Ken French. You know, you have these statisticians out there who have won Nobel Prizes in the field of investing and economics, and asset allocation. And when you place their research application, you can actually engineer a portfolio that optimizes return for a given level of risk. So when a coach can have their investor understand their risk tolerance, that's a beautiful thing because they know the investor is going to be disciplined, they're going to be prudent, they're going to stay long-term, Therefore, they're going to maximize their money for the given level of risk that they're okay with. 
Great point. So as we're wrapping up, you know, my takeaway, you know, from today's message, and Alex, correct me if I miss anything, is, you know, one is, you know, make sure that proper diversification amongst non-correlated assets as well as some correlated assets. You want to make sure that you have a risk tolerance that's suitable to you so that you're not buying or selling based on emotions and hurting yourself. And it sounds like also you should be the same way that our advisors are working with a coach or working with someone like yourself. You need to have a coach slash advisor in your life that's helping you to understand what's occurring on the ups and the downs so that our emotions don't take over and have us blowing up our financials or hurting ourselves. Is there anything that I've missed in that, Alex? I think you said it very well. Own equities, diversify, rebalance, and focus on the next 20 years, not the next 20 minutes. Great point. So for all of our listeners, thank you so much for being with us. You've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. Our guest today, again, Alex Ash, Regional Director of Coaching with Matson Money, and this has been Frank Congelos. This program has been brought to you by the Institute of Responsible Wealth. Thank you, and have a great month. Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment and insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian.